while Smithy's gone, I thought that to start to get the synergy of the show right, to start to get the momentum of the show back, to feel like the Doyen's presence is starting just to, you know, wash it back over us, to ease us in. I thought I'd get one of his favourite guests on the show. He is the golf-tipping wizard, as Smithy likes to call him, a genius even. He's just fresh off another Quinella on the DP World Tour's last event of the year. David Bolesky, deep dive golf. He's very good with his time for us here at SCNZ. And David, I thought it'd be a good chance before Smithy gets back, and as the seasons are kind of done, to review the year. How have you been? Good. Um, glad to be back on the show. And, you yeah, know, it's been a, a fantastic season. Um, I've just actually come back from a little jaunt um, overseas in the, the Middle East. And while I was away, I managed to check out uh, the Royal Golf Club in Bahrain, which is going to be hosting one of the new DP World Tour tournaments um, next year. And um, over there as well, I did check out Yuff Links in Abu Dhabi and did a bit of intel, um, got the inside scoop there, and then visited Dubai and had the hopes of actually attending the, the DP World Tour Championship in, in person. But um, they had some pretty... Insane weather over in Dubai, some torrential rain and downpours and things, which meant actually getting out to the course was impossible. So that was a bit of a shame, but um, it was a, a great tournament for us in the end in terms of the results. I'm sure you weren't slumming it in terms of your accommodation if your travel uh, class was anything to go by. So I'm sure you managed to entertain yourself, <laughs> mate. Uh, it, it was it looked like an epic trip you had, and and this is the extent of how much you love golf, which is which is why we love you because you really do put so much time and effort into it. Um, I guess the way the season ended for on on the European side of things just this last weekend, it's pretty amazing to have a look at this leaderboard and and see the amount of big fish that managed to get their way back to the top of the race to Dubai. Obviously, Rory's making history and you're scattered with John Rahms. Um, it's so good to see Ryan Fox in there, but Victor Hovland as well, Tommy Fleetwood, Minwoo Lee, uh, Bjork, who you tipped us a couple of times throughout the year. Hey, as, as is Jorge Compel uh, as well. So a, a few of the, the guys you were tipping throughout the season, they ended up doing quite well overall. So I feel like, do you, do you, did it make you feel like your radar was in across the whole year? And I know punting and tipping is, you kind of have to have a short memory. You have to just look at every week as a new week, especially when it comes into conditions and, and that sort of thing. But how did you find and rate your whole tipping season as a journey, David? Yeah, no, look, it's it's been an awesome season for us. We we had a, a very, very successful season, our most, most successful, most profitable season yet. So, um, you know, we've been being able to show consistent profit for some time and um yeah, just capping it all off with that, that last um last event was, was pretty awesome. But it's a combination, right? Like when we're looking at our analysis, it's a lot of it with golf comes down to the course that's presented because it is going to suit a different player each time. It's a bit different to say, you know, American football where, you know, you might have a closed stadium or an open stadium, but other than that, like the pitch is the pitch. But when it comes to golf, you've got the unique aspect of the brand new golf course. Um, it's going to suit different players off the basis of that. You've got factors like the weather that comes in as well, different grass types. Um, so in terms of that analysis, it can be, you know, it's a combination of the long-term form and what, what the pedigree of the player has. But then, as you mentioned, you know, are they in short-term form as well? Like, you know, are they heading up? Are they on the, the improve? And then does their game and does their golf, golfer profile really um, match the, the course layout that they're going to have. So that's always our process, and, and it is. It's like you go through your, your ups and downs, and, um, you know, it can sometimes be frustrating getting people consistently in 
in contention. Um, but then when you hit a winner, when it comes to golf, you know, you, you're, pla- you're, you're getting odds of, you know, 60 to 1, 80 to 1, um, quite often triple figure odds. So if you can get it right, there are some, some awesome opportunities um, across uh, on the golf scene. So, no, look, it's been a, an awesome season for us. Again, really profitable one back to the BP World Tour and the PGA um, Tour as well. And, um, yeah, we had had a, a fair old number of winners again. So um, I think the most pleasing thing for me was the, the odds that we managed to hit when the, the players this year were, were pretty astronomical. Those were, like, consistently in that 60 to 1 to 101 kind of range. So um, across the outright winners on the year, um, it certainly paid off um, some fair old dividends for everyone who was following. Wyndham Clark, one of the highest of lights of uh, my my punting journey. It was just so good. That was so much fun. We'll talk about these yeah. big dogs. We'll get to, we'll get to the Kiwis in just a wee bit. What Ryan Fox's schedule? What you're predicting there for for next season? Dan Hillier, how, how does he go to the next step? Step up. We've got another Kiwi on the DP World Tour next year. This new brigade of youngsters coming through is so so exciting. But of the major storylines, it was a Ryder Cup year. We had new major winners, as I said, with Wyndham Clark. Who were some of the players that you want to, if you were dishing out your end of season awards, deep dive golf's end of season awards, who would you like to uh, throw a gong to? Yeah, I, th- I think you logically had to start with John Rahm just because I, th- I think he got forgotten a little bit over kind of the last three to four months because he wasn't consistently winning as much as he was at the beginning of the season. But, I mean, his start to the year was just absolute fire. Um, he won the, the DP World Tour Championship end of last year, which was his third win out of four attempts um, at that stage. And then um, he came straight out of the gun, won the Century Tournament of Champions for us. The next week won the American Express, he won the, the Genesis Invitational at Riviera and then went on, of course, to, to put on the green jacket and win the Masters quite convincingly. So, um, stunning year for, for John Rahm and I think that he's perhaps fallen off a lot of people's radars just because he hasn't been winning at the club he was at the beginning. It's just so hard to, to keep the, the momentum at that sort of level when you're winning sort of every single tournament, you, you're teeing it up. So, he had a, an absolute stunning year. I thought the, the emergence of Victor Hovland was really promising. Um, you know, we'd, we'd always known and the talent that Victor Hovland had, uh, it was just the short game was just horrific. I think by his own admission, was was absolutely dreadful around the greens. And you know he worked really closely with his coach Joseph Mayo, um, put some new um, science into his game and really honed in on on the types of shots he needed to be hitting. And Joseph Mayo is quite like an analytical coach, and he likes to talk through the mathematics and the facts. And I think Victor Hovland being a really smart character really engaged with him on that and it made sense that having the steeper angle of attack was really what he needed to be doing to get the the ball flight higher and getting generating more spin and being able to hit all these new shots around the green so it was really no surprise that he came out won the, the memorial and then went on to win the the bmw championship and ultimately the pedex cup in the end and i think he's obviously got a, a very um big 2024 coming up um, wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if he knocks off a major in the coming year Scotty Scheffler obviously deserves a mention as well, winning the Players' Championship, um, getting the Phoenix Open as well. I think for him it would be kind of a frustrating year because he just went on mm. this run where between November and um, July he didn't finish worse than 12th, which is just mental when you think about the amount of players that are in these fields. I mean, you're talking 156 players in some of these fields and he's not finished worse than 12th for eight months. Um, he was just hitting the ball at such a great rate and just the putter was really letting him down and um, over over those 
those months, I mean, if you had putted at like just field average or, say, gaining one stroke on the field with his putter, he would have won about three or four more tournaments. So, you know, a lot of players would look at their career at the, the end of their retirement and if they achieved, you know, five PGA Tour wins, that would be a great achievement for them. Well, Scotty Scheffler kind of this year with the, the clip that he was striking the ball had the opportunity to do that if he'd just putted it at, um, to a average. So I think a little bit frustrating for him, although obviously winning the players would have been a highlight. And similar story for Rory McIlroy. Again, just constantly in contention. The majors would have been a real frustration for him, especially missing the cut at the Masters. I think that he really felt that this was probably his best opportunity um, that he's had thus far to, to win at Augusta and to miss the cut there was in incredibly disappointing. Um, obviously won the, the Dubai Visa Classic, a, a golf course that he loves, um, out of the Emirates Golf Club in Dubai, and then um, an impressive finish at the Scottish Open as well, sort of overcoming um, the, the local hero, Robert McIntyre, um, to get a victory there. But again, I just think uh, he would have been hoping for a little bit more, and we kind of saw that at, at this weekend's um, DP World Tour Championship when he was interviewed afterwards, you know, completing a, another season where he's won the the DP World Tour title. It's his first um, victory, sort of putting him in the conversation with Debbie Ballesteros and Colin Montgomery, you know, really huge legends of the, the European game. And he's won it again. Um, but you could tell in the interview that he was still disappointed with the year that he'd had. And I think that his biggest focus is definitely those majors um, moving forward. I, You know, it's going to be interesting to look back on this period for golf and pro golf and the very, very pointy end, David. We'll never really know the impact that the Live PGG toward Saga had on Rory. We'll probably never find out how much it really impacted him. And, and after all of the bidding he did, and then for it to blow back up and Jay Monahan having to fall on his sword, and the PGA Tour for many ways have to kind of admit that, that what they were suggesting and the way that they were going was actually going to send them broke. And after him and Tiger have been there really leading that charge, I think that must have been emotionally and mentally very exhausting for him, and I wonder if we saw that reflected in some of his golf. We'll never really know, as I say, but um, it's a very strange 12 months for him, and I think he'll be better for a little bit of distance between that period of his life. So we'll be watching Rory. I'd be shocked if he doesn't win another major in the next kind of 24 months. What about the Kiwis? Ryan Fox. He is now secured. He's got that PGA Tour card. He's going to play a, do a kind of Rory-esque hybrid um, schedule with playing in Europe and the States. He's, he made all four cuts at all of the majors. How do you rate his year? I, I thought it was a stunning year for, for Foxy. I mean, this trajectory that he's been on, it's the, the calibre of tournaments that he's been winning over these last 24 months that really impresses me. I mean, he's consistently in contention, but, you know, winning the the Dunhill Links Championship, which is an iconic event on the DP World Tour, obviously played across three courses and finishing up at the old course at St Andrews, um, securing the victory there, really put his, his name sort of amongst some of the best on the European Tour. And then earlier uh, this year as well, obviously, the BMW PGA Championship, which is the, the flagship event of the DP World Tour. It's the, essentially the, the Players' Championship of the DP World Tour. I mean, the, the calibre of victories that he's achieved is um, immense and it's a it's a trajectory honestly that, that is comparative to kind of Michael Campbell right before his US Open win so I'm very very excited to see what he might achieve in 2024 I think he's 
starting to put himself into those conversations where, you know, looking at like a 26th of the Masters, 23rd of the PGA Championship, um, made the cut of both the, the Open Championship and the US Open, that, you know, we might see just, a, a, again, like a sneaky dark horse Kiwi coming through and really performing one of the, the majors there. So I think of them, um, the Masters probably makes the most sense in terms of his game. He's not the most accurate off tee, but he's got heaps of length, and, and that's what's needed around Augusta, and his approach play is, is excellent, and that's that's really the, the key to putting on the green jacket and, and um, achieving a Masters victory is is having that elite ball striking, which Ryan Fox definitely possesses. So that one makes a lot of sense, although I think um, Valhalla, which will be um, one of the hosts for the majors next year, will also be a good fit for him. So really promising year. I, I thought Daniel Hilly was really impressive this year as well. We're obviously on him at the, the Bedford um, British Masters, where he went on um, an immense run coming in, um, managed to, to finish with um, Eagle Birdie Birdie to, to achieve victory, and um, we tipped him up that week at 80 to 1. So um, that was mm. obviously very pleasing. What, he's kind of a similar story to, to Victor Hovland, where his short game is really where he needs to, to find some gains. Um, I, I mean, maybe he needs to take Joseph Mayo on board, but his around the green game, he ranks at the moment as um, 162nd out of 164 on the DP World Tour. So it tells you where, where his, his um, area for improvement knows. He'll be well aware of that, um, but if he's going to kind of kick on and, and get more victories and start getting um, some more appearances and majors and performing there. He's going to need to, to work on his chipping and his bunker play, which he'll be aware of, but um, that's his, his next step um, to carry on. He, he made it to 30 in the end on the uh, race to Dubai leaderboard, which is just an immense effort, isn't it? It's a huge effort, and yeah. he's got a, a fellow compatriot on the DP World Tour next year, um, David, so you'll get some more data on the young fella from Taranaki, Sam Jones. I know because you're obviously you've you are a major golf fan and you're a very passionate Kiwi, but it doesn't quite um, compute to what you do as far as the t- in the tipping space because you need big portions of data. But are you watching these young, this young brigade, the Kazuma Kaboris and the Joshua Byers and the Sam Jones and looking forward for the next kind of 10 years of New Zealand golf and kind of got it in highlighter of saying how good of an era is this we've got coming up? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Like as you said, in terms of actually getting into those those tournaments, um, a lot of what I do in terms of the analytics does need large volumes of data, which which we've spoken about before. So I, th- I think that's that's you know correct to to lean on in terms of really analysing these guys and getting to know what their game really is, and you need a bit of a track record of. You know, you need a few tournaments basically to build up that that legacy of data to really get an idea of okay, you know, we start to know who this guy is, how he's going to play, what sort of golf courses are going to suit him, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll start earning that data on on people like Sam Jones. But um, super exciting, and, and yes, absolutely, totally um, monitoring all those guys, and we sort of yeah start putting them into the black book and keep an eye on them. But before they actually make the card, we like to, to obviously get a little bit of data and a bit of insight. Um, although in saying that, I mean, last, in 2022 at the Texas Open, we put um, Ludwig um, Obier up at the, the Texas Open at 300 to 1. So you won't be getting um, odds like that on um, Ludwig anymore. So, well, uh, that's, that's a great segue, mate, because Ludwig is now, and I saw your tweet from earlier in the day, he is the hottest of things. Um, unbelievable year for the young Europeans and uh, Nicholas Hoygaard as well. Wow. I saw a tweet come out yesterday around uh, a beer, though. Turned pro, one on the DP World Tour, one on the PGA Tour, 
and won the Ryder Cup. I don't think anyone's ever done that in a calendar year. Amazing. And he still hasn't played in a major, which is bizarre. <laughs> Isn't because, that outrageous? <laughs> outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. I mean, the, the you know, we know the ceiling on this guy. I think we've known for some time. But typically when someone has such a stellar amateur career like that, they've qualified for a US Open or or Augusta in some way. You know, they've, they've won a US amateur or they, they've found a way to get into these fields. And, and Ludwig, I guess, his, his trajectory has just been so astronomical that he's kind of bypassed that step. Um, yeah, and we've got this bizarre situation where, I mean, he's, priced at um, 18 to 1 to win the Masters and you know you can get it with a bet boost at the moment on um, on a website where you can bet every single day of the year um, for 20 to 1 but I mean that's putting him on par with Cam Smith and Patrick Cantlay and better odds than Colin Morikara and Xander Schofley and I mean it's it's getting to a stage where the hype is perhaps oh, oh, there'll be people who bite the number there will be, there, there always is, but for me it's like, well, I mean, Ken Smith's won the thing. You know, he's he's yeah. played the course, he's won the tournament, yeah. he's had a runner-up There's no value there. here. Like, no, there's no value on that number anymore at all. It's just been eaten and way too um, way too far, in my opinion, um, because, yeah, like the calibre of those four compared to, I mean, Colin Monacow, a multiple major winner. Um, Zent Schofield's got a, a bunch of top tens on... on um, Augusta Nationals, so yeah, look, it's it's probably gone a, a little bit out of hand, but he's um, look, he's a huge talent. He's got a massive career ahead of him, and then obviously Nikolai Hoygaard, we've we've known the the caliber of him as well in terms of just these guys are coming out and they've got this huge driving distance to their game, and that's always just a huge asset to have. And then um, obviously getting the the victory, the DP World Tour Championship, we tipped him up this weekend as well at twenty five to one, and we in fact had uh, the runner up Matt Wallace on our card as well, who was sixty to one. So um, in terms of full place on him, you're getting uh, returns of fifteen to one on that as well. So it was a, another another great week for us on the the Deep World Tour, getting the one two finish, and um, yeah, Nikolai's got a big big future. Um, he's he's another who has had the uh, the driving distance, and he's really starting to put his approach play together and the ball striking is coming coming along really nicely for him so he's got a big big career ahead of him and then there's a couple of other sneaky ones I'd throw out there like Vincent Norman looks like a really talented ball striker he's one to add to your black book he's um, already achieved a victory and won the Irish Open um, which were on earlier this season at 45 to 1 um, but he's got a big career ahead of him and um, wouldn't be surprising whatsoever to see him sort of kick on. Um, he's only 25, and um, again, plenty of distance, but he keeps it nice and straight as well. Um, he's already ranked 75th in the world, so he's he's on an upward trajectory. And then I can see someone like Bo Hosler really kicking on. His profile kind of looks... A, I don't think he's going to go on to, like, Wyndham Clark levels um, and, and come out and suddenly win a US Open, but he's always had driving distance, and um, his approach play has been his weakest element. But over the last kind of three months, been seeing some really nice signs in his, his irons and he might be a sneaky one who um, finally comes through next year. Um, he's only 28, it feels like he's been on the PGA Tour for quite some time but still only 28 and I think he might have um, a pretty good 2024 coming up. Hey David, I'll, I'll get you out on this because I know you've got a lot lot to do today as well and I'm not actually um, working which is important. Now you you follow golf closely, you read the tea leaves I don't know what the question is, but we're going to go into a new year. We've got four more majors. We've got Ryan Fox in the PGA Tour, but we've got this live PGA lawsuit 
um, Supreme Court scenario hanging over us. We've got this suggested calendar, whatever this mystical, magical calendar will look like. Do you expect in the next 12 months resolution or more clarity or... Like, where are we at? I, I don't know. What are people talking about? When you're going around the world and you're on these golf courses, do people even care anymore? Yeah, they do. I mean, look, I, was, I met the, the tournament director in Bahrain and, and we spoke pretty extensively about the changes that Live Golf had kind of had. And obviously there's some decent money in Bahrain as well. I mean, they were one of the most amazing things about walking around the golf courses, they've actually got an oil pipeline right down the middle of the course. So they've kind of got these oil pipes. <laughs> Um, right down the, the wasteland in the fair, fairway and these oil wells um, kind of drilling the black gold out right from um, underneath the golf course, which I, I found fascinating. Um, but yeah, look, they, the live golf thing now actually seems murkier than it did because I would have expected by this stage that we would have had a resolution, a firm schedule, and I think behind closed doors it's probably not gone as smoothly as they would have liked. And... Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the future for it holds. My my view was always that it was unsustainable to have the the talent pool of current golfers spread thinly across these two tours. I don't think mm. there's enough interest and I don't think there's the calibre of golfers and calibre of stars at this stage to be able to run two high, high-profile separate tours at that kind of level. And so I'd always surmised that I sort of saw Live Golf team the team aspect being what Live Golf hones into and sort of seeing a kind of an Indian Premier League-esque aspect for golf where, you know, Team Nike and Team Callaway and Team TaylorMade bid on players, for example, from the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour, form their team of four golfers and they go and play in the separate team championship completely away from the PGA Tour schedule and the DP World Tour schedule because for me, consuming the Live Golf product has been really confusing because you've got this individual leaderboard and then they try to put this team aspect at the same time with a fully separate leaderboard and I think it's too confusing for people especially if you're not like an ardent golf fan like myself and you're just a casual viewer it becomes too much and I think where I saw it going was live home there into this team aspect being like we're not going to keep compete with the PGA Tour regular schedule you guys keep your tournaments and then on kind of the off weeks we'll have these team events and draw on players from both tours and i could see that working i think it'd be a really great product if that's what they end up doing it, it just seems at the moment though it just seems murkier than it's perhaps ever been and um i think there's yeah there's still a lot more to come and be interesting to see in 2024 what unfolds because i certainly would have thought by um by sort of the tail end of november the year before we would have started to hear some clarity of uh, of what the schedules looks like for the guys so another exciting year of golf ahead um dp world tour starts in three days again so there's <laughs> no rest for the wicked they're going to be straight back into it and um yeah they got the uh the joe big open and uh, um the australian pga championship on um over in australia this week as well so it's always a little scary when you've built up um kind of your profit record over the year you know and and then suddenly yeah. you're, you're wiping the, the slate clean and you've got stage two again but yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, after four or five years of, of profitable seasons, um, you know, confident that those results um, will continue to come out for people. So, yeah. Well said, mate. Yeah, it's very, very interesting times and it's going to hang over us. I, I suspect the same thing. Uh, Deep Dive Golf on Twitter. Go follow him. He is our man and he is as good as it gets. I promise you that. Um, and one for you. 
there's a horse racing today, race five at Rotorua called Augusta, and it's actually not the world's worst each way chance, David Bleski. So um, anyway, that's just one from me to you. I don't know if we'll talk again before the end of the year. If not, happy Christmas and New Year, mate, and um, we'll catch up next year when Smithy's back on deck. We'll look forward to chatting. Yeah, you too, mate. And uh, yeah, with a name like Augusta, why not have to get on that, yeah. won't we? So yeah, have a, have a great <laughs> yeah. um, summer if we don't speak earlier. Beautiful. David Bleski, Deep Dive Golf. Go and have a look. Go check him out. He's fantastic. Very, very good with his time.